Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 503rd episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today we have Hillman Sori. He is the author of eight books and counting. Uh, the guy's a machine. He's got a lot to say. Um, some of his books include The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach, and Coach is an acronym, Sales Playbooks, The Builder's Toolkit, Triangle Selling, Sales Fundamentals to Fuel Growth, uh, and a whole lot more. But at its core, uh, why we get along is he focuses on systems, on frameworks, and we get into that. Uh, you know, I've had the ABCDE sales and marketing system. Uh, I've turned that into one of my signature talks, the five proven steps to make every sale. You know, and in that ABCDE, I talk about attract, bond, convert, deliver, and dear. And it's a cycle, right? The, these steps happen uh, in a circle not one way, like you see a traditional pipeline or a funnel, you know, cram a bunch of crap in the top or one side, and hopefully some makes it out, you know, the bottom or the other side. It's pipelines and funnels are okay as part of your overall system. It gives you stages and steps to analyze and monitor, uh, troubleshoot to find bottlenecks. Uh, but those need to happen inside of the larger framework of the cycle, uh, you know, life cycle, sales and marketing, understanding that in this, in any engagement, right? So ABCDE, the third step, the midway point is the conversion to a customer, the cash, the close. Understanding that you're only halfway there is key to long-term success and growth. Most amateur salespeople, most salespeople are amateurs. The top, like 4% of salespeople make overwhelming. I've heard statistics like 90% of commissions earned are earned by the top 4% of salespeople. Um, but, you know, rookies think that, you know, just get the money and run. That's the job. Just close the sale. And if you close the sale at any cost, then you're going to pay a high cost. You're going to get refunds. You're going to get chargebacks. You're going to get poor reviews. So professionals understand you must deliver that wow experience. You must delight the customers. 
They think beyond the sale. That's how you endear yourself to them, and then they attract more sales back to you. So you've got to think in terms of sales, uh, in terms of systems in your sales and marketing. That's why I say to make any sale, you must make every sale. You know, along those five steps, attracting them to your website, attracting them to your place of business, giving them something attractive so they opt in. You know, they come to your restaurant. Do you have a birthday club? Do you have, uh, you know, top secret membership? You can email them, text them. Hey, I got specials. Come down for happy hour. Hey, you know, half off appetizers the next, you know, 30 minutes. Get on down here. Then you can bond with them. Multimedia, multi-step. If you just get an email, it's too easy to ignore or opt out. So as you move beyond the, you know, the bonding, as you, you stay in touch with them, phone calls, emails, direct mail, social media, now you create the customer. Make it easy for them to buy. Now you deliver that wow experience. You endear them. They come back. They bring their friends. They give you referrals and testimonials. You've got to think in terms of systems and processes. That's what I've been doing since 2006, creating these cycles for customers. Since 2007, I started working with software. 2008, I got involved with Infusionsoft, now Keep. 2014, I added HubSpot and Entreport, then Nimble and Active Campaign. So, you know, if you use any of the top marketing uh, platforms, CRMs, marketing automation platforms, I've used those. Uh, it can help you think systematically, think in terms of processes. You know, I coined the phrase automate, integrate, and dominate when Infusionsoft hired me years ago for some copywriting. Then we added Celebrate. Automate, integrate, dominate, celebrate. You've got to do that, right? Go to the saleswhisperer.com slash PBL. It stands for process before login. It's a free tool. Go download that. Go watch the video. Download the, the PDF. Start thinking in terms of systems, steps. Okay. If you need help with that, schedule a free call. If you need help beyond that, that's what I do. Let's work together. Let's help you automate, integrate, dominate, so you can celebrate more sales. All right. Now let's bring on our guest. Hillman Sori, close loop all the way from San Francisco. Welcome to the sales podcast, man. How the heck are you? I am fantastic, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Wes. You know, I, I hate to break this to you, but uh, we're going to have to end this interview because to be qualified to be a guest on my show, you must have written at least nine books and you've only got eight to your well, name. Wait so wait a minute. You said written, not written and published. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to get rid of this. I mean, I need somebody that actually puts out some content. Okay. Not, <laughs> not just some dude sitting around. All right. Give it a week. Give it a week. I mean, <laughs> what in the hell? Eight books? Come on, man. No, you make me look bad. I, I'm either I'm either a blowhard or I got a lot to say. I'm not quite sure. And they're not mutually exclusive. You know, that's that's the beauty. <laughs> that is that is this true, have, man. This could have been well, see, here's the real deal. If you want the, the, the truth, Wes, in high school, um, I was not a big fan of literature. And I had to do Homer's, the Iliad, and the Odyssey. And those books were so long that I decided mm. I would not write one 1,400-page book. I would write 10 140-page books. So that, that's what we've done here. 
Uh, all right. So please tell me it's like extra large font, big spaces, and a lot of pictures. <laughs> lots of pictures. You know, don't you love sales books with lots of pictures? <laughs> Dude, I'm a salesman. You gotta, I mean, you gotta keep my interest. You know, if it's too it's dense, simple. if it's too densely packed and, you know, got these big words I got to look up, man, I, I'm a goner. What's the rule? Know your audience. <laughs> I tell people, you know, I, I grew up in Louisiana and, and English was an elective. So you got to go easy on me, man. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you, you've done well with it. <laughs> um, so we're going to bounce around a bit, but I want I want to jump right to cold calling. Okay. 46 reasons why your cold calls fail and how to fix them fast. Because uh, I've had I've had a lot of sales experts on. Um when not long after COVID kicked in, or at least our government's response to COVID kicked in, um, I had Jeb Blunt uh, on the show and uh, we were talking about cold calling. He was saying it, he was having great success with it. Uh, I've had others that make software for outbound dialing. They're having great success. Phone burner, collect, uh, uh, oh, collect and sell. I got to look him up. Chris Beal. Um, so connect and sell. Connect and sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew it was a C in there. Yeah, Chris. Uh, so smart guy, smart software. Uh, so what are you what are you seeing about cold calling? You know, both before, during, and now, hopefully after COVID. So I will tell you exactly the same before, during, and after. You know, there's some, there's something that I like to say about the sales profession, which is that there are three types of individuals. There are the folks who are skating towards the puck, right? They're like constantly realizing that we live in this landscape of sales, which is constantly evolving, right? The buyer is constantly evolving. The market is constantly evolving. The technology is constantly evolving. We got to stay on our game. We got to see where it's going. Then there are those folks who are, you know, kind of, they cling to something that worked and then it shifts and it's like, oh man, who moved my cheese, right? I've got to go catch up. And then there are the folks who are like, everything's different, right? Like right now, if you listen to LinkedIn, everything's changed, right? And a year ago, everything changed also, right? Well, if everything's constantly changing, that might be an indication of what you need to do is to constantly evolve, right? So the idea here is, and, and Jeb's a great guy and Chris is a great guy. He wrote a forward for one of our books. Um, I'll tell you this, the idea is that cold calling has always worked, right? What has changed are the means with which we do so, right? We've got different access to data. And now also we're no longer calling people at offices. We've actually got to get a hold of people's cell phone numbers, which requires a different spin on how we're having a conversation with them. They're also likely at home, which correlates to a higher level of availability. It also correlates to a higher level of commitment to some other things that they might be focused on. So the rigor with respect to how you manage a cold call remains the same from a psychology perspective and from a practice perspective. The the things that have changed are the actual approach to those conversations. So I've always said cold calling is successful. I don't go out there and broadcast it significantly because not everybody needs to know. I'm going to save that for my clients, the huge reveal. Here's the big deal, Wes. You know what? If you pick up the phone and try to reach people, you can reach more people with a higher quality conversation doing that than you can with any other mechanism. Don't tell, you know, <laughs> that's the idea. Yeah. Very nice. All right. We can keep going. I like that answer. <laughs> Check one box. Love it. Uh, so you, do you have partners? Could you start a, a sales 
training, sales methodology, uh, sales coaching business, right? The, that's what closed loop is? That's correct. Yeah, we call it sales strategy training and sales enablement. Okay. Uh, and you've got partners there or is it just you? I do. My partner, Corey Bray, we've been working together since inception. Um, and actually prior to inception, we, we made a, uh, a folly into developing coaching software for sales and then quickly realized that we're not software developers. We are at our core consultants and trainers. So the, I'll say that the market pivoted us back to our competency. <laughs> so wait a minute, you, you, you created a business based on a Leonardo DiCaprio movie? <laughs> Am I the first? Man, that's dedication. <laughs> now I need to go to IMDb and look up when Inception was created. So that's right. <laughs> well, that's cool, though. I mean, you got somebody that you know, like, and trust. Because I've, I've, uh, I've kissed a few frogs in that space looking for partners, and um, you know, haven't been all that successful. Maybe I'm not a good kisser. Well, you know, it's it. it <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that one. <laughs> I got seven kids, so I, mean, I, kids, I might be all right. I was just about to say you're doing something. I mean, right. I'm either a good kisser or a good salesman or both. I mean, you know. You, know. <laughs> you got something working for you there, man. Um, I, I will say this, you know, I, I, I have, I've been in the same boat where I've come at this a couple different ways with respect to partnerships and, and growing the business. I've, I've been in the space of sales consulting and training for uh, about 15 years. And the first, the beginning of that was as a sales trainer for a really large, well-known sales training organization. And I've seen people do it right. And I've seen people do it effectively. And the biggest challenge in any service business is scale, right? Software is easy. You go sell more stuff. You got SaaS, it's sitting in the cloud. You know, you've got unique economics that allow you to just be expansive with how you go to, go to market and there's not a big impact. Whereas in our business, you know, you've got quality assurance issues. You've got issues around the number of consultants that you're employing and those consultants billing and things like that. So the challenge on the partnership front is, as you said, having a known entity, but not just the known entity, because there are folks you know that you still shouldn't be working with. You know what I mean? It's a known entity that you effectively work together with. And here's the last piece is how do you ensure that this person that you're partnered with, you don't have enough, you, you don't have such significant overlap of the Venn diagram that you don't really get one plus one equals, you know, three or four, you end up with kind of the same person doing the same thing. And you have the same energy and, this, and none of you like doing the books. None of you like doing the, the uh, you know, minutia of spreadsheets and both of you love training and selling. Well, you know, that, that doesn't really correlate to creating a business. So Corey and I have a great overlap of the Venn diagram where we have some core competencies that we share. We obviously are uh, ideologically aligned but not so much so that we don't fight and argue tooth and nail over each one of these books and like half of the frameworks that we put out, but I think it makes the product stronger. And, um, you know, together we've, we've grown a, a, you know, little, little shy of 20 person business inside of three and a half, four years. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So were, were y'all positioned well for COVID or did you have to make some big changes? You know, I, 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 I don't know. Positioning for COVID is probably a difficult question to answer because I don't want to, in hindsight, sound arrogant and say, we were perfectly positioned for COVID. I'll say that our business, and you know this well, being in this business yourself, our business is, is positioned for any kind of an economy because when we're in a recessionary economy or when the economy is, is shrinking, there are folks who are saying, hey, I've got to maintain, I've got to retain, and then the smart people who are saying, here's an opportunity for me to grow, Right. On the flip side of it, when the economy's booming, 
everybody wants to grow. And so in the context of that, everybody needs some kind of, some level of sales strategy, sales training, sales enablement, which, you know, we could, we could go down the rabbit hole of what that means. But so the short answer to the question is we were positioned really well. We had our biggest year last year. Um, our clients, more importantly, some of them had their biggest quarters and biggest years last year because of us being hands-on with them. And, you know, it's a partnership with a client relationship. They have to trust you well enough to take your advice and execute well enough on that advice to actually perform. So we, we take only the credit that is attributed to us as an organization and saying that all of our clients had monstrous years last year, which is great. So there's a little bit of a silver lining in, in what's been a really challenging time for folks. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I see, I see a couple of arguments uh, in this space. I, like when times are good, some prospects will say, well, times are really good. I don't need training. We're making a lot of money. And conversely, when times are bad, they're like, I can't spend money on training. Times are bad. All of our margins are cut. You know, so is it, is it just a mindset? Like, do you, do you just have to pick and choose uh, the smart prospects to bring on as clients? I mean, do, do you see kind of Nailed the same it. arguments from, you know, sometimes? Nailed it. That is exactly the criteria that we're looking for when we say, okay, this is our ideal customer profile this falls into our winning zone are the folks who get it. You know, it's, there were years ago when I was in advertising and um, I, I was actually an associate publisher of a business journal in a different life. And I used to say to our advertising team, look, don't go after people and try to convince them to advertise. That's a losing proposition. Go after the folks who are already advertising and show them a better audience, right? Show them better conversion on their dollars. And it's the same thing in this business. I'm not trying to convince anybody. You know, everybody knows their business better than I do. I, I, I have no delusions around that, right? So if you believe that for you, consolidation and, you know, what we heard around this time last year, you probably heard it quite a bit too, Wes, was VCs and PE saying, all right, trim the fat. Trim the fat. It's time to go lean because we don't know what's going to happen. Well, smart money said, well, let's just see if we can pivot to the marketplace. Let's see if we can double down on offering our existing customers whatever we can to retain them and help them to be successful and see if there's a lane where we solve a problem that people are now experiencing. And those folks had, had monstrous years. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not in the business of trying to convince, cajole, connive anybody into doing anything. Um, I want to find the folks who have like-mindedness and demonstrate to them where we can make an impact. Yeah. Yeah, and I was telling everybody last year, it's like, now's the time to go gobble up market share. Oh, man. Right? Don't worry about margins. You know, it's like, yeah, keep the doors open. Go, go get business. Because uh, others are going to, you know, that hunkering down mentality. It's like, yeah, let me let me know how that works out for you. Right. You're able to a year from now. That's right. Uh, good grief. If you study history, I mean, you know, you go go back and look at these things. You don't, you don't even have to have a magic eight ball that tells you these things. Just go study history. Go yeah. look at when the greatest fortunes were built during the Great Depression. You know, there's a reason. Follow that path. All of this stuff, I, I say this, yeah, I've been beating this drum of all of these things have been done before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all you have to do is go follow the path that somebody else has tread and uh, you can have a lot of success. Yeah. Amen. Thing. Can, can I add one thing to this? Sure. Um, one of the biggest challenges that we saw, and you know, I'm up here in San Francisco and we do have a large swath of clients that are actually in that 
seed stage, series A stage, you know, there are a couple parts of our business. One where we deal with, you know, nice unicorn size, global organizations, Fortune 500, recent IPOs. And then on the other side of the business, we, we enjoy really helping startups and seed stage organizations develop processes and strategies to help them to succeed and go to market. On that latter part of the equation, one of the challenges is that there are more, there are more young CEOs and founders in the marketplace now running very serious businesses with a lot of venture capital behind them than ever before. And this is not meant in a disparaging way, just by virtue of not having seen economic cycles shift, 26 years old, you know, just graduated Stanford, started a company, I'm a technologist and I've come up with a great disruptive idea, haven't seen it before. One of the biggest challenges there is how do you surround yourself with advisors and coaches or resources that have been there to impart to you the knowledge that they've got so that you can run your business. And I think that the folks who in that swath of the economy had those types of resources actually found both, you know, a little less hair loss and anxiety and a whole lot more success than the folks who kind of hunkered down and were like, this is unfamiliar. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's it's good to have a little bit of gray hair, huh? Yeah, well, I don't have any hair, so I, I I never got to gray. Mine all left me before it, it turned 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 colors. But I'll tell you, when sun shines on a bald scalp, you know, enlightenment occurs. <laughs> Wasn't Buddha bald? <laughs> hey, grow, grow that beard out, man! I bet there's some gray in there. <laughs> you know how long it would take me to grow a beard? <laughs> that's that's slower than watching grass grow. That's for sure. <laughs> Nice. Oh, so, so you, you're big into systems, right? We're talking about sales enablement. I see your approach here from the uh, assess, design, deliver, support, you know, revenue. Yeah. Uh, how, how does one balance um, a sales team, you know, between the, Hey, this is, this is our way, you know, the IBM way, right? You're going to do it just like this every single time versus like here's a here's the framework here's the borders don't don't cross the line and but you know as long as you're within our our barriers you know you're you're free to roam <laughs> i love the zoo analogy <laughs> here's your pen <laughs> hey I've, the spectators and we'll feed you <laughs> I've, I've been that bull in the china shop and i've worked with some some good guys that let me go break some stuff and they just swept up behind me because the net net was positive <laughs> well see okay so that that means you're like a jordan right so if we're if we're making a basketball analogy you know we wrote the book triangle selling uh, if you dig into it it doesn't take long to figure out that uh you know we're giants uh Bulls fans from that Jordan era and, and triangle selling is not far removed from, from the triangle offense in, in all candor there. So there's a little, little reveal, but nice. the idea is this, the, the idea is you equip your sales team with the fundamentals for a couple things. One that will create consistent and scalable success. That's one piece. The second piece is accountability and transparency. And the third piece is that whatever sales methodology you're running has to be able to align to the goals of the organization directly in a way where if I'm in, you know, the C-suite, executive suite, if I'm part of the executive team, I need to be able to walk the floor or listen to a call and understand how what is tactically being executed by a salesperson directly correlates 
to the business objectives of the organization, right? So let's say you're trying to go upstream, right? You've been selling mid-market, it's time to break into enterprise. You understand that there are things that you need to do to create a solution sale and to increase your ACV significantly, right? That's the strategic thing, conversation that's happening at the board level with the executive management team. Now, how does that correlate to what your strategic salespeople are doing on the ground? Well, you've got to have a demo framework that allows for them to be able to uncover pain, present value, challenge some assumptions, and get next steps. So how do you create frameworks and systems that allow for someone at that high level to be able to see into, manage, and hold accountable that individual who's executing tactically as a salesperson? So to your point, now you got a salesperson, right? The salesperson, particularly this, this particular uh, story that I chose, has a senior level salesperson who's had success, who got to this level of being a strategic account executive because they are smart and they understand things. Well, the biggest challenge there is not training and rigor and trying to hold somebody in, in, in between the rails. What you want to do there is cross what's called the knowing doing gap. And folks far smarter than me, you know, a couple of Harvard guys wrote a book called The Knowing Doing Gap, which talks about the amount of money in, in the 80s of 80 billions of dollars that are being spent on training and retraining folks every year. And the reason is because there is a knowing doing gap. The things that we know to do are not always the things that we do in execution in our workflow. They say that, you know, if, if we all did what we knew, we'd all be skinny, rich, and happy, right? So what we try to do with frameworks is help that seller to have frameworks that they can apply in their workflow that just simply remind them and create the highest opportunity for execution on the things that best practices and, and you know, proof has demonstrated to be successful for their role. So where we get opt-in here is folks like Michael Jordan, folks like West, who are incredibly successful, full of the China chop, they break things. You still are no fool. You want to do the thing that's going to be successful over and over and think as less, as less about it as you possibly can. You don't want every conversation to be net new. So why do you opt in? Because this greases the skids for 80% of your conversations, and then you're allowed to be West. You want that ball in your hands at the end of the game because you've got a feel for the game. You know what's going to happen, and that's what you want, right? You can't do that until you've got enough rigor on the team, on the basics, to be able to play together. And this is the other piece, is that you are running a team. So I always laugh at these organizations that say, hey, you know, we're running Medic and Bant and Sandler and Spin, and, you know, we got all these different – it's like, wow, what does that Kool-Aid taste like, right? And how do you coach or hold any of those folks accountable? Or the, or the, we've got our, we've done our homebrew. Well, that's great. You know, if you've, if you've been in a thousand different companies and understand what's happening in SaaS or what's happening in your industry or what's happening to your buyer that well, that you've kind of jiggered up your whole, your, your own uh, homebrew sales methodology. If that's working for you, that's fantastic. Um, chances are there's, there's probably a better way that, that requires less friction and less impact on the team. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get pushed back from prospects because I, I have a framework, but I keep things pretty loose, right? Yeah. I, I like to kind of sit down with the team, see where they are, because it's rare that the team is exactly where the boss says they are. Right. Right. So, you know, well, my my team, it just, they go clankety clank, you know, at above 70 miles an hour. So I just need you to fix that clankety clank. And like, well, <laughs> fool, they're not accelerating. Uh, they're not braking. Uh, they're clanking at 30 and 50 and 70. So, you know, like, um, you know, so how do you, how do you, how do you bridge that? Cause they're like, well, it just doesn't seem structured enough. I'm like, I can give you plenty of structure. 
Right. I don't want to make robots. I, I don't want to build little sales whisperers. Yeah. Um, I, I'll give them some talk tracks. I'll give them little, little nuggets to get some early wins, uh, really just to build their confidence. So then they'll listen to me as we continue. Right. So how, how do you balance that? Right. Like here's our way versus again, it's kind of the same question in a way, but it's more like how, you know, do you come in saying, look, we're going to, we're going to issue this, we're going to deliver this 97 step method to make you hiring sales, enabling cold calling, closing, negotiating fools. Yeah. You know, wizards or we're just going to look around and then we'll advise where we see areas that we can improve. Yeah, you know, it, it actually is is directly the latter. And first off, the, the visual of little sales whisperers is, is one that's still stuck in my head. <laughs> these, these little forest people who are sales whisperers. <laughs> they're, they're, they're issued a hat. They're given a, a calculator, um, uh, a knife. I mean, so whatever you got, just give you all the tools. Oh, and a pen. Press real hard. The third copy is yours or I will stab you. But anyway, I digress, man. Why you do this to me? Come on now. The question's back to you. The question's back to me. Fair enough. All right. So here's here's how we think about this. First off, tons, there are tons of organizations that want to come in and boil the ocean, right? And I'll tell you, I think the reason they do it is because they can't they can't perform a point solution. They can't impact revenue or impact metrics in the short term because they're not frameworks driven. They're kind of system driven, right? Like I got a system, we're going to come in, we're going to overlay the system. And you're like, but wait, I just got a clank. You're like, yeah, well, we're going to pull it all out of there. You know, <laughs> we'll get back to you in a couple months, right? Cost of, cost of fortune uh, gets everybody involved and limited efficacy to, to our experience. We've actually come behind those folks and done something pretty swiftly um, to, to actually align things better, more effectively after those types of engagements. But here's what we look at. We say, there has to be some form of assessment on the front end because you know the, the the problem that is typically brought to us is seldom the problem. It typically starts from somewhere else. You know, folks will say to us, "Yeah, you know, demos are not converting." Well, the demos are not converting because you didn't qualify well enough in discovery and uncover enough pain to actually have a demo that has enough merit or value for the individual you're talking to. You get where I'm going with this thing, right? There's yep. there are it's all connected to each other. It's like a it, it's it's like a body, right? It's never just the toe. It's the way you're walking and other things, right? So. At the very front end of most of our engagements, we include an assessment. Sometimes it's as light as just a skills assessment, which helps us to, uh, in a 20 minute online assessment with salespeople comes back and spits out competencies that we then roll up in an organizational view where we say, okay, a wide swath of your organization um, has challenges to talking about money. A wide swath of your organization has challenges when it comes to leveraging social or, or managing conversations and uncovering pain or demonstrating the value of your solution, whatever it might be. But after that piece, there is a bigger piece that we can do for larger organizations, which is called the sales effectiveness assessment, which goes through strategy systems, staff, and skills. And I, I know this sounds like a mammoth endeavor, but here's the deal. With most sales organizations, these things can be done in about seven to 14 days where we interview folks on the team, we ask for um, uh, opportunity to look at data. The data could be anything from sales decks to um, sales me uh, uh, messaging to things that are coming out of marketing, all of these types of things, right, that correlate to the sales process. And along with that sales assessment that I mentioned earlier, we then reflect back to an organization based upon 
your short-term goals, whether that's you've got a funding tranche coming up, whether that's you're trying to IPO in a limited amount of time, whether that's that you got to hire a whole bunch of people on board them and effectively hit a revenue number, whatever it might be that you're trying to achieve, here are the highest priority things you need to work on. Because you know how this goes, Wes. Sales organizations have so many moving parts that you could get in and push string for the rest of your life, saying that you're, you're impacting, that you're making this more efficient, you're putting in a process, you're putting in a system, and it may have zero impact on the goals of the organization. All we're trying to do is align on what is it that you're trying to achieve. And our delivery promise is that within 90 days, we will go after that thing, resolve that thing, train what needs to be trained, lever into a process if it's necessary, or provide a playbook that allows for uh, velocity, you know, a long tail uh, of, of success after our relationship, and hand, it back, hand you back the keys. And then if there's another project that needs doing in 90 days or 180 days or two years later, we're here for that as well. Most of our clients engage us early on for, for one project that moves the needle so significantly that we end up with some additional opportunities to work with them to continue that trajectory going forward. But that's our view is let's get in, let's assess, let's align that assessment to the goals of the organization. Let's pick off a few things that are high priority and high value that actually create a domino effect throughout the sales org and tackle those things, provide you what you need and get out. Amen. That's it. That's, that's what my father-in-law say. He said, get out, but I got stuck around. But you know. <laughs> Was that after kid number what? But I, I digress. <laughs> um, you know, I do, I do something similar. I don't go after these big, long engagements. Uh, it's, I like that systems versus frameworks. It's like, usually, it, you know, small hinges swing big doors. I like that. Right? Usually there's something in there that can be tweaked and it's not major. It may take a minute to find it, right? But it's it's not major. Um, and but then you got to build a new habit, right? Like, like golf, right? Uh, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, I think it's his name. I just, you know, just don't, okay. I don't know the, the last name. Yeah, just won the Masters, right? Yeah, yeah. I love golf. Uh, and there's there you're not hitting the ball right. Like it certainly at, at a high level, it's, it's small. It's like, literally like take your right thumb and move it like two millimeters left or right. Oh yeah. You know, a, you know, your takeaway, you know, started outside, you know, one, one degree, just altered the takeaway one degree outside, one degree inside. And it's okay. bam, like these big improvements, but it takes an expert to, to even know that's possible. Yes. Right. And, and then, it's like let's let's find let let's fix something that's nagging, uh, and then you're free to. I like to help them find the time. I don't have time for this. Let's let's find. I, what if I give you back one hour a day for all five of your salespeople for the rest of their lives? What you know? Huge, right? Let let me find that. I'm not saying I'm going to show you how to go close a billion dollar deal. Right. I'm saying I'll find you an hour that your people are wasting each day. You know, okay, deal. Let's go. Well, that's that theory of marginal gains, right? 1% day by day aggregates yeah. to a big shift, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I always say people, they underestimate, uh, they overestimate what they can achieve in a month or a year. They underestimate what they can achieve in 90 days or five years, right? And it's, 
exactly right. We're all looking for that easy button, aren't we? <laughs> it's big and red, but it's elusive. <laughs> I, I just got a, I just got a LinkedIn from some guy, you know, see some, some kind of hacker, you know, a growth hacker. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> sick of it <laughs> the, the, the fact that hacking has become a thing that is um you know sought, sought after versus you know cory cory my, my business partner and i we always talk about how there seems to be a less and less of an appetite for mastery you know the, the tips and tricksters drive me crazy i think about sales as a very serious profession right yeah. and for i sure. would not go to a doctor that was online searching for tips and tricks as to how to, you know, how, how to fix my ailments. Yeah, I don't go to my accountant who's looking for tips and tricks for how to get my, you know, my taxes done. You know, it's like, let's, let's be professional about it. And here's the thing, you put in a little bit of rigor, it goes a long way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it is fun. It's winning is fun. Yeah. I would rather, I would rather put in, to your point, I would rather have a coach who is holding me accountable to doing something consistently to the point where I get muscle memory around it and no longer have to think about it than the online going from guru to guru to guru with tips and tricks and then trying to figure out how I aggregate all of these sometimes, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, contrary opinions into my workflow, which is responsible for me to pay my mortgage and feed my family and you know do the things that I need to do in life. I just, yeah. I, I'm not sure I understand that, but there's a lot of the tip culture because um, everybody's got an idea. The other piece around this, though, that's interesting to me, Wes, is this is one of the reasons I've stuck in this industry so long. All of these things, even tips and tricks, are nested in a greater psychology. There's a greater science to it all where I don't need, you know, Jimmy McSales telling me. I hope that's not a real person. If it is Jimmy, I'm very sorry. But, it, could, uh, it could be. It could be. It very well could be. <laughs> I don't need Jimmy McSales giving me the tip. I want to know what logic or what's the defense, the scientific defensibility behind the tips. I can come up with my own stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I look at this. That's, that's the, the longevity in sales rather than spinning around like a dreidel or a top and trying to figure out, you know, which, which way I'm going to land next. Yeah. 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 You know, there, there, there's the tips and the tricks, but there, there are, there are the master classes. Everybody has a master class. Oh yeah. So, uh, you yeah. know, may, maybe I need to do a master class. <laughs> And then give the tips, and then I—I uh, I, I don't know. We can do the quiz afterwards and get that big certification that you could take a selfie of and, and post somewhere on social media. Mm, uh, oh my gosh! Did it? Oh no! I was just telling my son the other day. We were talking. He's getting into sales, and you know, I've sold. I've been a partner of Infusionsoft since 2008. I've been a partner yeah. of HubSpot since 2014, um, and. You know, in the Infusionsoft community, I was really active, and and these guys would say, "How do you sell so much?" You know, and I'm like, "How do you code so much?" <laughs> right? Because like, like embedded in that question is like, sales should be really easy, and you're a knucklehead, and you can't code for jack crap, so you're really not that smart, and I'm really smart because I can code, so therefore I should be able to outsell you. And I'm like, that's right. That's right. Right. That's that, I was connecting those dots. I'm like, dude, that's all I do is sell. That's all I've ever done is sell. So Stay it's like, in your lane. yeah. And you know, now, now it is simple. It is easy for me. Um, but there's a lot of things. Uh, do you find it, is it hard sometimes like the curse of knowledge, like you've done things so long 
you have to kind of keep reminding yourself, go back to basics, go back, you know, they don't know this, you know, stick with the basics uh, because you're already, you, you know, like my jujitsu instructor, we, I was laughing in the day. He's like, okay, do this, you know, one thing at a time he's doing this move. And I'm talking to my training partner. I'm like, he did 17 things at once. He said, do one thing at a time. <laughs> you know, his right hand's here, his elbow's here, his left knee's there, his right knee's there. He's using his head. You know, like it all matters. And he just, like, yeah, just do one thing at a time. But we're really doing 17 things at a time if we've done this for any length of time. That's right. You know, That's how right. do you stay grounded in the fundamentals? I think that, so, so this is where frameworks play a big part is knowing the framework that applies to each stage of a sales conversation makes it very easy like you know going back to your idea of the the golf swing right how are you addressing the ball right how are you pulling back how are you what is your follow through what is your head doing what are your hips doing if you understand the components of a sales process which most people understand just because we've either been sold to or we've been part of a sales process if you understand the inherent components it's very easy if you're a game film watcher, and what I mean by that is quite literally now, folks are watching themselves on Zoom and saying, how did this How did this presentation go? How did this demo go? How did this discovery call go? Or if you've got, you know, one of the myriad call coaching software that allow you to hear that, you know, live, then if you're, if you're taking a look at those things, which I call game film, then it's very easy for you to see where you've got opportunities for improvement. You know what's hard, and this is something that we talk to managers about, is not to overcoach. You mentioned the 17 things that you might be doing in any jujitsu move right or any defense well as a coach you can't coach all 17 you got to pick the one that is actually going to have the highest impact on that person's ability to execute for this week right and then you get that thing tuned up then you work on the next one you know what i mean so the biggest challenge in this we talk about this in the five secrets of a sales coach the biggest issue for sales coaches is identifying that challenge that's going to have the biggest impact on a salesperson's effectiveness, given what they're trying to do, and then coaching with respect to that challenge and outlining a path, you know, that, that defines where there's an opportunity there, creating an action plan and holding folks accountable and then being able to support them through it. Um, so your question as to whether or not I, I mean, I'm constantly looking at my own stuff, constantly. You know, the beauty of this business, as you well know, is you can't be successful in it unless you're out as a product of your own product. <laughs> You know, there's somebody the other day that was like, wow, that was actually, that was the first time that I actually had a discovery conversation with, with all these vendors that we're talking to with respect to doing this sales transformation issue, uh, sales transformation initiative. Um, and I said, really? So you're considering vendors who didn't do discovery to help your team get better at discovery? And they were like, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so they showed up and, and did huge demos. And is, isn't that what you just told me is the problem with your sales team? Very interesting correlation there, right? Um, but, you know, I, I enjoy those little nuances of the profession. But, hey, it, it's, it's one of the things I enjoy as well, which is probably what keeps people at golf for a long time, is that, you know, you, you, you take a week off. Oh, gosh, there's a great quote about this that I'm going to completely botch. But some famous uh, pianist said, you know, I take a day off and I notice I take a yeah. week off. And what is it? My, my wife notices. And I take, I take a, a, a month off and the audience notices, right? right? It kind of feels that way. That was a terrible, if somebody's looking that up, I, I apologize yeah. for destroying I, it. Uh, I think that was it. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I know, I know the quote. It's, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Um, are, is selling an art or a science? So... To, it is a science. 
it is a science that allows for artistry. <laughs> Let me not answer your question, Wes. How's that? <laughs> so, like, maybe, you know, I, and, and this, is, this is probably going to sound incredibly lofty. I have a huge appreciation for architecture. And you know why? Because to build a building requires an understanding of physics and calculus and algebra that is really powerful and probably some other math. <laughs> <laughs> not my, not my, not my genre. Um, that is really powerful, right? Just to just to design something that is going to hold up well, that is going to support people, that is going to conduct its purpose in the structural world, right? Now, there are lots of buildings around. There's some really ugly buildings around. So, on top of that, an architect also has to be a little bit of an artist, right? They have to, in the scope of all of that math, which is binary largely, you know, if, of course you have some multivariables in there, but like it's, it's largely has correct answers, right? <laughs> in the scope of all that, you still have to create falling water. I'm a huge Frank Lloyd Wright fan, right? So like you still have to create this thing that is aesthetically pleasing. You have to create this thing that actually is a space that someone wants to work in or that people thrive in or that people come, you know, a- across the world to look at. That's art, right? So you forgive me for, for aligning sales to, to the profession of architecture, but hey, there are some things that are science. There is an element of influence. There's an element of psychology. There's an element of communication. There's an element of behavioral change. These are all pieces that are sciences. And these are large bodies of science that actually impact human behavior with respect to things outside the sales, right? Because we got to realize we're selling to a human being. That's all we're doing is we're having a conversation with a human being. We're trying to uncover whether or not they have a problem and then trying to create an opportunity to influence their behavior, right? That's it. So that's the piece that's the science. Now, how you go about doing that, that's your artistry. Maybe Wes has has some Bayou thing going on where he just knows how to connect with people because he's got some art to this and he just, his pace and his tone and there's some things that he uses as colloquialisms that just bring down barriers and now he has an opportunity for conversation. Hillman can't do it. Hillman grew up in Chicago, speaks an entirely different way, has an entirely different mindset of things that he's experienced, but he goes about it a different way, right? That's where, and this kind of goes back to something you asked earlier, which I really appreciate, which is we're not trying to create automatons as salespeople. It's not, you know, we're not trying to turn them into widgets and say, this is the doctrine, here are the rails, here's what you do, here's the process, just go do it. And, you know, people who talk about the, the, the dawn of AI replacing salespeople, like, well, that's a joke. As long as you're selling to human beings, there's going to be something that's nuanced around human behavior. But um, that, that's how I look at the world, is that if we can provide people, and here's, here's where you excel. If you can provide people with enough understanding, competence, and um, muscle memory and development with respect to the science piece, then you can actually show up and be more authentic. You're not worrying about how you leverage your personality or, or things that you can't put a finger on into your effectiveness as a salesperson. You know, here are the rudiments of a meeting. Here's what I'm dealing with on the other side of the phone. I've got those things in spades. Now I'm going to put some Hillman into this conversation so I feel okay showing up every day and not like a phony every time I pick up the phone to call on behalf of Closed Loop. You know what I mean? I do. So the, the short answer is selling is both science and art. I think so. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, You'll get a t-shirt I, made just so I get that right next time. <laughs> yeah, I asked that question because uh, I've told people all along, like, like selling is very scientific, you know, because you always hear, Oh, help me, man. You, you got the gift of gab, man. You, you never met a stranger, man. You got a great personality. You're really good with people. You should go into sales. Like maybe. Yeah. 
you know, but selling is very scientific. It's very prescriptive. Absolutely. Um, an introvert can do very well. Introverts often do very well. You mentioned architecture. My very first paid client back in like late 06, early 07 was a referral from my neighbor. And it was an architect. A guy was going out on his own. He's like, yep. I got to learn how to sell. I got I to gotta go get some business. And I, and I gave him the process, the framework, and, and he did it. You know, it's like, okay, I'll I'll go do this. Didn't question me, didn't challenge it. You know, we had to refine it a little bit for him and his situation, but it was 90%, you know, and and we smoothed the edges for him, but it's, um, people always, oh, it's, it's this mystical thing. You're just like born with it. Like, I'm an engineer from the Air Force Academy, right? <laughs> you know what, though? That explains a lot. I was just going to say to you, engineers make some of the best salespeople because they can follow a framework or a process. They understand also how to pivot with the data, right? If, if the feedback is telling you that this thing's not working, you go in a different direction. You don't suddenly get emotional about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, on the one hand, I, I, I do hate being too closed in, right? Like you're only going to do it this way. But I also hate inefficiencies, right? I'm, I'm the rare male that will pull over and ask for directions, right? It's like I hate being <laughs> lost. I hate being late. I hate wasting time and gas. And like I gotta get some. I'm not in this car for fun, you know. I'm, what? How come we don't have the directions? Who got this wrong? You know, it's like I want results, you know. And if you're telling me I've got to do these 87 things in order to get the result I want, I will go do those 87 things. But I will be looking around like. Can we do them in 85? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'll take that. I'll take that road trip with you any day. <laughs> oh man. Very cool. All right. So I am linking to your site and it's closed loop with a Z, right? That's right. Uh, I'm linking to all eight of your books as well. Uh, I don't even, man, get too much, too much going on, man. But it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, I think so. do, yeah, is that where you want to send them? Just go to closedloop.com? Yeah, go to closedloop.com. I, I'm happy to connect with folks on LinkedIn and, and have a conversation. This is the stuff I, I wake up passionate about and go to sleep thinking about. So, um, yeah, that's that's the reason for the books. And, yes, please, if, if you go to closedloopbookstore.com, um, all of the books are there. And okay. uh, they're, they're a little cheaper than Amazon. So you can browse those things. And, and you know, once you buy one, we usually send you something that gives you an opportunity to get some of the others. But if you nice. find something that's valuable, um, that's that's what we put them out for. So, Wes, it's, yeah. it's a pleasure being on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on. And I'm going to have to delete the video because, you know, I get these handsome studs on my show that make me – I'm just pale in comparison. I'm just deleting the video. So we're just doing audio on this one. All right. <laughs> How do you get a handsome voice? I was always told I had a great face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Man, look, all I'm saying is my dad used to hang a pork chop around my neck to get the dog to play with me. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I don't know what that means, but that's I'm just I, that's my life, okay? It's just, that's awesome. It is what it is. That's awesome. I love it, man. <laughs> well, look, if you if you see a tall, skinny dude that kind of looks like me, but he's got a little scraggly beard and long curly hair and, and, he, and he responds to Jake, can you can you feed Jake. him, please? Can you like buy him a lot? Make sure he's not going hungry. I'll feed him. I'll look out for your son any day. <laughs> All right, and look, and 
And look, well drinks are fine. Don't buy him that top shelf stuff. He's still young. <laughs> you got to pay his dues. All right. Pay his dues. <laughs> you get the good stuff, but he he gets a Jim Beam and a Jack. Don't give him any good stuff. All right. We'll make him earn it. We'll keep him hungry. <laughs> Very nice. All right, Hillman, closed loop, San Francisco. Thank you, sir. It's been great. Thank you, Wes. I enjoyed it. Appreciate right. it. Have a great day. You too. Strategy, systems, staff, and skills. The theory of marginal gains. A little rigor goes a long way. And winning is fun. You always see on the uh, like the Navy SEAL things, the buds and whatever, and talk about it. it pays to be a winner. And it does. So are you stacking the odds in your favor? Are you doing what you need to do to ensure that you win? Because I've always said, selling is a zero-sum game. What I mean by that is... If you are 1% worse than your competition, you get 0% of the sale. You've got to strive to win. You've got to strive to beat your competitor's pants off. You do it ethically, legally, right? You just add more value. Make sure you are the easy and obvious choice. Too few people do that. It boils down to systems, strategy, peeling everything back looking at each component, and once you get it all dialed in, you go back and you do it again. You're always trying to beat your best performing ad. You're always trying to beat yesterday's numbers. That's the blessing and the curse of sales, the blessing and the curse of entrepreneurship. Nothing, you know, you can't stay still. As soon as you stop growing, you start dying. If you need a kick in the pants, I understand. Let me know. It's what I do. Go to thesaleswhisper.com, contact us, set up a free call. We'll see how we can work together. Thanks for listening. Now go sell something. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.